Hi, everyone. So this scene we just saw here is probably one of my worst ways to ever spend a holiday. I I never do Boxing Day shopping. I never do Black Friday shopping because a little fact about me is I absolutely hate waiting. This is why I love online shopping. Is there any online shopper? Yes, I see that hand. I love online shopping. You don't deal with traffic delays. You don't have long lines for the cash. I've heard of something in KW. You guys have something called click and collect groceries. Yeah, okay. I see that hand again, Alyssa. Um, so basically what it is, is you apparently you order online. You go to the grocery store. You just park your car there. They load up your car. Grocery shopping done. Does that not sound amazing? That sounds amazing, but because I live in Stratford and we're not that sophisticated, I have to, like common folk, actually go in and grocery shop. So what happens is, is from all appearances, I might look like the seemingly sweet mom of two. I have two little boys. Um, Sweet in quotations, maybe my husband might have a few other choice adjectives to describe me, but he's not here. Um, So I become, I'm this mom of two, and I transform into this NASCAR driver in the grocery store as I'm swerving, and I'm steering to get to the shortest line, and I know I'm not the only one. You do it too. And this is all because I hate waiting. If we're eating out at a restaurant, and we arrive, we don't have reservations, the lobby's packed. And the hostess says, here's your little beeper. Can you wait for 25 minutes? In my head, I'm calculating, well, do I have to wait? Or can I go somewhere else? But in reality, it probably adds up to be more time. But it's because I don't like waiting. However, God has been teaching me the importance of patience as I learn to wait on him. And I'm discovering that God is just as intentional about the journey as he is the destination. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that we can be here today. God, I thank you, Lord, that your word has the ability to transform us. Lord, I pray, God, that we would see a shift in perspective. Lord, I pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place inspired to lead and to live our best lives for your name's sake. In your precious name, amen. So before I continue... Maybe I should introduce myself. I think most of you know me, but my name is Kristen. Um, I'm married to Justin, who's downstairs with our little boys because they tend to freak out in the kids' program. But we have two little boys, ages one and three. I used to be a pastor way back in the day, but these days I'm a stay-at-home mom. So that's just kind of a little modern history of, of who I am, where I'm at. And I come to UCC and I'm a volunteer serving in worship and today serving in this capacity. And it is an honor to be here with you today. So my message this morning is I'm going to talk about walking through seasons of waiting. You know, maybe you're waiting for an answer to a specific prayer. Maybe it's for a partner to start a family. Maybe it's finding the right job. Maybe it's finishing school. Maybe it's waiting for whatever is next. We may not be able to choose our current circumstances, but we can choose our response. So when you find yourself in a season of waiting, when you think you're at a seemingly standstill, number one, we keep our eyes on Jesus. I think of the Israelites in the Bible. These are people that were rescued from slavery in Egypt and were en route through the desert to the promised land. These are people that saw big miracles. If you've read the book of Exodus, if you've seen Prince of Egypt, think of the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, God would deliver and provide. 
Yet time and time again, you read that they would take their eyes off God's promises and they were distracted by the obstacles and challenges. They were described as grumbling and mumbling. They complained and it got them into trouble a lot of the time. Now listen, I won't trivialize or downplay the harshness of desert life. I'm sure I would have an attitude problem every now and then, but we can learn something from them. Psalms 103 verse 7 is a profound scripture. It's, it's just tucked in scripture, but for me, this has become kind of one of those life pivoting verses for me. It says, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. What we see here is that while the Israelites, they, they saw the outworking of God's hands, they saw the miracles, they didn't know the heart of God like Moses did. For us, it's not enough to be spiritual spectators, not just to simply observe what God is doing. This is why worship leaders will often tell you to enter in and to participate because it's not enough just to watch what we're doing, but you have to enter in for yourselves. I have a Pentecostal background, so bear with me today. Um, That might come through. Um, But it is not enough to get your only dose of of scripture spoon-fed from a speaker But it's so important that you go to God for yourself, that we go to God for ourselves. In the 90s, there was a movie called Good Will Hunting, iconic movie. And I'll give you a quick synopsis here. So Will Hunting is portrayed by Matt Damon. He has a genius level IQ, but chooses to work as a janitor at MIT. When he solves a difficult graduate level math problem, his talents are discovered by Professor Gerald Lambeau who decides to help this misguided youth reach his potential. A psychiatrist named Sean McGuire, portrayed by Robin Williams, is tasked to help Will Hunting confront his personal issues. Now, Will is a smart, smarty pants. He's a smart mouth. He has an answer for everything. Before Sean meets with Will, Will has put a slew of psychiatrists and shrinks through the ringer, turning the tables on them. And he almost is successful with Sean. But Sean has this epiphany. And he's able to get through to Will. And on this park bench, Sean says to his client, you can tell me all about the Sistine Chapel, but can you tell me how it smells? Can you describe to me what it's like to be in a room and look up at a ceiling that was painted by Michelangelo himself? He says, Will, if I ask you about love, you would recite a poem, you would recite a sonnet, but you know what it's truly like to love and to be loved. Sean discovers Will is an orphan. And this, this quote has stuck with me. And he says, do you think I have the foggiest idea of what it's like to be an orphan because I read Oliver Twist? Of course he doesn't. I ask you today, do you know God or do you know Bible trivia? Do you know God himself or do you know a lot about God as a subject? I say this because God wants to reveal himself to you. He created you. He knows every intimate detail. He knows every tear you shed. And I'll tell you something, that God loves you for you, flaws and all, as Talia was saying this morning. Not the Instagram filtered version that we all want the world to see, but he loves you for you perfectly. And his love for you is whole, and his love for you is complete. We shortchange ourselves when we don't have a deep and meaningful relationship with God. And this isn't in my notes, but I will say that If pastors, if we could 
do this for you, we would. But there's a reason why time after time, Raja will say, you gotta go to God for yourself. You know, we talked about prayer and the importance of us going to God, you know, as a regular thing and praying. It's because we, we can't rely on someone else to do that. We have to go to God for ourselves. And when we don't have that meaningful relationship with God, it weakens and it cripples us when we walk through those difficult seasons. Last week, as we sang Cornerstone, the words of the second verse, just it leapt off my music. Verse two says, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And every high and stormy gale, my anger holds within the veil. You know, sometimes I can get comfortable and that can lead to me becoming spiritually stagnant. I once recall saying to God, kind of casually, Lord, I, I want to know you more. And in that moment, I felt convicted because if I was honest with myself, I realized that that wasn't exactly truthful. I was pretty comfortable with where I was at. So I changed my prayer to, Lord, I want to want to know you more. Lord, I want to want to know you more. If you find yourself in a dry place, whether you've been walking in the season of waiting for a long time, maybe you've grown complacent, maybe you've actually drifted away from God and you're in that metaphorical belly of the whale, ask God to stir that desire within this morning. Last year, the theme of our retreat, our church retreat was renew. And I'm not involved in leadership and a capacity like that, so I wasn't a part of the decision, but I think I can take a safe guess. It's because at times we all need to be renewed and need to be refreshed. So when you're walking through those seasons of waiting, as Hebrews 12, 2 says, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Secondly, when we're in those seasons of waiting, waiting for an answer, waiting for God, it's so important that we cling to God's truth. When we're in the thick of things, it's really easy to become prone to discouragement. I think of Hannah in the Bible, 1 Samuel, verse 1, the story of Hannah. She was experiencing infertility. She desperately wanted a child, a son, to compound the issue, her husband's other wife. And I, I know, side note, I know that's hard to wrap our minds around it. It was the custom. But Hannah's sister wife would basically provoke her until she would not eat and she would weep and just just pick on her just kind of stick it to her a little bit and so Hannah is deeply distressed and so when they make this trek to the temple she prays this deeply moving prayer to the Lord this catches the priest's attention first not positively but it turns out well and he says to Hannah in 17 go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him so Hannah receives this promise now, I think it's so important that we acknowledge that the reason Hannah was able to receive this, problem, this promise is because she positioned herself to hear from God. We need to position ourselves to hear God's truth. That means getting in the word. That means, you know, coming to church. That means being in a place where you can actually hear and receive God's truth. Hannah's reply in verse 18, she says, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their home at Ramah. Akana made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. I've dubbed this exchange the Hannah principle. Here we see that Hannah has received a promise. Her whole countenance changed. Before she was weeping, she was famished, I imagine disheveled. And then she gets up, she eats something, you know, her whole countenance changes. But here we also see that God's promise wasn't immediately delivered. Verse 20 says, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. Faith in God includes faith in God's timing. Sometimes we think a promise delayed, but it's not a promise denied. In those seasons of waiting, when you don't know what God is doing, remember who he is. And I get it. Sometimes with difficult circumstances, we can face really hard to swallow, difficult facts. Life can get hard. But in those times, hold on to God's truth. Our God gets the last word. Amen? Come on. Got to bend that. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Told you. Um, Pentecostal is coming through. Um, Raja knows. Um, 1 Peter 5, 8 to 11 says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would look nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God, who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have put you together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Amen. Number three, when you're in those seasons of waiting, keep on pressing on. Here you'll see a cute little picture of Dory. I love, I love Nemo. Um, such a great little movie. And Dory. And you know the one thing I love about Dory is this fish, she can't remember anything. Like, she has short, short-term memory loss, short-term memory loss. She can't remember anything, yet she doesn't forget to keep on swimming. And that's her little catchphrase, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim, swim. We swim, swim, swim. So keep on pressing on. First Kings 19, it tells the story of Elijah. And I'm not going to read it, but I'll just give you kind of a, an overview of it. So he learns that Queen Jezebel has ordered the execution of all the prophets, including Elijah. So this is scary stuff. So Elijah is on the run for his life. And after a day or so in the wilderness, it says that he, like, finds a broom bush. He, like, parks himself on it. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, Sal. And he basically says, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. I want to die. I'm done. I've had it. And sometimes I can read the Bible, and I can admit I have a bit of a disconnect. Because the first time I read that, I thought Elijah sounded a bit like a pansy, to be honest. Um, And melodramatic. But you know what? If we were honest with ourselves, I think that we've all wanted to quit at times. I have two little toddlers, two little boys, and I love them to pieces, but they have a tendency of when they don't get their way, they will park themselves on the ground, kind of like Elijah, and they will pound their little fist and kick and scream. Now, it doesn't work, but they, they throw these tantrums. And I think at times, I know I've been guilty of doing this spiritually. And sometimes God does call us to seasons of waiting, to desert seasons. And instead of allowing God to lead us through the desert to the promised land, 
We can park ourselves in those desert seasons in sheer frustration. Thankfully, Elijah didn't quit. God sustained him. He got up from under that bush and he continued on to his journey. The Israelites turned what could have been a 11-day journey into a 40-year ordeal. That's just wild. Don't give up. Keep on moving. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Keep on pressing on. Fourthly, when you find yourself in those seasons of waiting, embrace the journey. I said earlier that God is just as intentional about the journey as he is the destination. I've been learning this to be true in my own life. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When I read this verse, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it. How, does it, how do we consider it pure joy? I, I'm, I'm working on this. I think we'll, we'll all be working on this to, cons- to say consider it pure joy when you face trials. But it is so important that we learn to embrace the journey, that we, we allow hard times to shape and mold us to further reflect our creator. Anne Voskamp in The Broken Way, she writes, the holy grail of joy was not in some exotic location or emotional mountain peak experience. The joy wonder could be here in the messing, piercing ache of now. The only place we need to see before we die is this place of seeing God here and now. Sometimes I think we confuse joy and happiness. Happiness is an emotion, but true joy comes from God and it isn't dependent on our circumstances. Part of embracing the journey is learning to be content. Philippians 4, verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Being content doesn't mean that your heart shuts off to its dreams and desires. But it's recognizing that with God's strength, you can have joy now and peace now as you wait. And it also means that even if your prayers don't go the way you would like, as Raja mentioned um, a few weeks ago in Daniel 3.17 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they say, even if God in this context, doesn't deliver us or saves us, he is still good. And even if not, he is still good. So even if God doesn't answer our prayers the way we would like, we can recognize that God is still good, he is still present, and he is still working his best plan in our lives. I think of some of the hardest moments I've gone through in my life, and they are now memories that I am I'm very grateful for. 
because they have shaped me and they've helped me to grow in my faith when otherwise I don't think I would have. Is it fun? No, not, not at all. But it can be good when we recognize these seasons, as James once says, and we allow them to, to shape and to grow us and to serve as a catalyst for growth. In uh, Japan, there's this clay method called kintsugi, and you'll see a picture on the screen of this beautiful piece of pottery. This is the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery with lacquer dust or mixed with powdered gold, silver, or platinum. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. And I think of this as a metaphor of our lives. God picks up these broken fragments of our lives and he pieces us back together. Last year, I was thinking about uh, this illustration, this metaphor, and I was going through a difficult season and I, I, I just wrote in my, my, like, my little journal Devo thing, I said, I like to think of God as the master potter, and we are the clay as he crafts and shapes us to further reflect his image. He doesn't airbrush away our shortcomings as he loves us too much to gloss over them. This isn't a spiritual amnesia. We can see, we can visibly see these once broken pieces now form a one-of-a-kind mosaic, a testimony to God's faithfulness in our lives as he restores us. Embrace the journey. Fifthly, remember, our God is so faithful. Talia alluded to Romans 8 today, and I will share it. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. God has your back. If you're in a season of waiting this morning, take heart. God never promised that we would have it easy, but the one thing he promised is that we will never go through those seasons alone. Amen? Isn't that amazing? Our God is so faithful. And I'll tell you something. We've already won. As in verse 37, it says, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in closing, when we're walking through those seasons of waiting, firstly, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Look to him. If you've grown away, ask God to stir that desire within Maybe it's getting into your Bible or, or whatever it is, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, cling to his truth. When the facts of, this, of your circumstances are just flying your way, hold on to God's truth because God's truth trumps the facts. Thirdly, keep on pressing on. Don't park yourself in frustration, but allow God to lead you through those desert seasons to your promised land, whatever that looks like. Number four, Embrace the journey. Have peace, have joy today as you wait. Learn to be content today as he comes through for you. And lastly, remember that our God is faithful. He's got this. He's got you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that we can come today. God, that we could hear your word. 
Lord, for that beautiful worship, God, that we had earlier today as well. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that for those of us who find themselves in seasons of waiting, Lord, I pray, God, that you would encourage all of us. Lord, I pray, God, that as we wait on you, God, that we would just have such peace and such joy. Lord, I pray, God, that our faith would be placed firmly on you, Jesus. And Lord, if we can remember anything when we're in those seasons of waiting, Lord, I pray that we would hold tight, firm onto Ecclesiastes 3.11, where it says, you have made everything beautiful in its time. Lord, I thank you for your perfect and your pleasing will, Father. In your precious name, amen.